stupid amounts. Hey, hop in a whip and I'm out. I need so much I can't Welcome count. to the Ross Project, Boy, no a conversation about life, entrepreneurship, personal development, family tech, and marketing. My name is Ivan Temelkov, and I'm your host. On this podcast, you will gather 100% real, raw, and unfiltered, life-changing advice to level up in every aspect of your life and business and help you reach your goals and dreams. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a fucking doozy of an episode for you guys today. Uh, I have Damien Prosalendis, now hopefully I didn't butcher that last name, who is a self-made millionaire at the age of 20, despite being almost homeless at the age of 19, sleeping on a mattress, and picked up from trash in a roach-infested dorm room. He created the world's largest consulting firm for Amazon sellers known as SPMAC, which services over 10,000 clients from 116 countries, ranging from new startups to multi-million dollar e-commerce brands. He has accomplished this without, get this, no money, connections, or business experience. He used to live on $200 a month uh, from his parents, uh, money that they gave him, while he was studying chemical engineering at Aristotle University of Thessaloniki in Greece. Damien, welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Ivan, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Awesome, dude. So, like, we've, so we've gone back for a couple of weeks, you know, back and forth, trying to make this interview happen. And, you know, I'm just completely stoked about this because, you know, you're an Eastern European, you know, in your bio, like, you were 19 years old, being poor as fuck, sleeping on a mattress, picking up trash, like, to most people, that's like rock bottom, right? Like, most people look at that and are like, what the fuck did I do wrong? Like, why isn't life happening for me? Like, what am I doing wrong? A year later, you become a millionaire. Let's talk about that story for a few minutes. Let's go back to the age of 19, 20. I want to hear what was going on. Share with the listeners what was going on through, through your life, through your head. And what happened in three, 365 days that literally just changed your life in a blink of an eye? Mm -hmm. All right. So I will not say it was rock bottom, although it was admittedly very low. Uh, I believe that there is always somebody out there doing worse than you. And no matter how bad your situation may be, there is some person out there who at the flip of a switch, they would push a button and would like to swap places with you because they just have it worse. And that's what I've always believed, even back then. And it was one of, the, one of the things in my mind, one of the components of my mentality that kept me um, living with a positive outlook and prevented me from feeling miserable or getting depressed about my situation back then. Although I cannot say I was happy, uh, I wasn't extremely sad either. So... I lived in a, in a roach-infested dorm room that the government gave to the poorest students as financial aid, and mm -hmm. I was basically on the verge of living homeless. Uh, if I didn't have that, and I really struggled to get it, it wasn't given to me from the beginning. The first year of my studies, I was in an apartment that I rented. It was unfurnished. I couldn't afford furniture, so I slept on um, on the floor for a while, on the hardwood floor. The apartment had mold on the walls, and it was basically 250 euros a month uh, for rent. 
plus the utilities. So I had Which, 200 for my parents, and it wasn't even enough to cover the rent and utilities. You know, yeah. without abruptly interjecting, you said 250 euros, right? Euros, yeah. Not US dollars. You see, most Americans don't fathom what 250 euros get you which is practically absolutely nothing, right? Yep. That's what people don't understand. Nothing. And you're paying rent and trying to put food on the table on 250 fucking euros. Like, keep going, dude, because I, I wanted to stop right there for a second because most people are not going to fat. Most people will probably hear 250 US dollars, not 250 euros, which means the conversion is actually far less when you, can, when, when you actually convert it to US dollars, right? Uh, indeed, and it's all—it's not only that, but something else that people in the U.S. don't know about living here in Greece is that the comparative buying power of euros uh, is much lower. So, for example, 250 euros here is like having a hundred euros, a hundred dollars in America. It's—it's it's much less in practice. Despite so you're the living on a hundred U.S. dollars per month. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Like. What most people don't understand is like a hundred dollars is like your one trip to the grocery store in the Midwest of Amer of the United States of America. A hundred dollars and a hundred US dollars you have to make rent, buy food, buy clothing, utilities, you know, like like all of that. Like keep talking about this because I don't think people really realize how chaotic this probably was. It was basically the, the money that my parents gave me, the, the 200 a month wasn't even enough to cover my rent. So uh, I had to find all jobs to survive. And I also, my, my grandparents and my uncle had to chime in from their pensions in, in order to make ends meet. And I also had a younger brother back then who had to, my parents had to pay for his private classes uh, because in Greek, in Greek high schools, you... Um, take preparatory classes outside of the school classes in order to take the Panhellenic exams at the last year of high school and then get access to university. Universities in Greece are free, but the extracurricular classes for the whole uh, time you're in high school aren't, so you have to pay teachers privately for those, and that's a very big burden on the shoulders of Greek families. Uh, it basically costs about 10 five to ten thousand euros per year for the preparation and that lasts about three years and then university is technically free so my parents had to pay for my my brother's tuition expenses for his high school classes and they also had to give me 200 euros and they only had 800 my mother was making so every yeah. month they had to borrow money they had to delay payments to teachers And uh, for many years later, the classes of my brother and my own classes were unpaid. So we owed like 30,000 euros to my teachers from high school. Now, one and, thing I, I yeah. wanted to mention was you're talking about money in euros. Can you mention what the, uh, what the annual salary of an average person living in Greece is? No. <laughs> Well, the annual salary of a Greek person is probably around 6,000 euros. So you're 6,000 euros per year, and you were talking about that the expenses that your parents were, were paying for you and for your brother also is three or four times more than what they make. 
Yep. So how, how did this even happen? Like, like, and I want you to talk about this because I know you're going in the direction of like what happened over the course of a year to two that your life drastically changed. So how does one cope in those situations? The whole family has to chime in. Your grandparents have to help you. Otherwise, it's pretty much impossible for you to make ends meet. Both parents have to work. In my case, my father was unemployed. So that was, uh, that made the situation very difficult for us. But fortunately, we had our grandparents and they basically gave all their pension away. They have always been used to living um, on very on a very low budget. They were, they were farmers mm-hmm. and they... I'm very proud of my grandpa because he was 85 years old and he kept working on the fields in order to provide for us. Can you imagine that? 85 years old and he did hard manual labor every single day so he could send me food 600 kilometers away. You know, one thing I wanted to mention about that, Damian, is is because most people, so there's a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this podcast. But a lot of entrepreneurs don't fathom what you and me as Eastern Europeans grew up on. Like you're talking about your grandfather, a farmer at 85 years old, busting his ass out there just so he can provide and help you. And I see the irony on that because I come from, and we talked about this before we hit record, from, from Bulgaria, which is one of the poorest countries in the European Union. And grew up on basically, you were either poor or you were rich. There was no middle class, no such thing in Eastern European countries. So what's really amazing as you're talking about your story that I wanted to notate is for people to understand is that where there's will, there's power. It doesn't matter how poor you are, what you look like, from what country you come from, as long as you've got the resilience to do the things that you set to do, you can accomplish them regardless of your circumstances. And that's ultimately what you've done where you're going with your story, which is went from very poor to, you know, you got videos with, with, with Grant Cardone and, you know, you're a millionaire. You're living the life, the life that you always aspired to live but only dreamed of. So without abruptly interjecting, keep going with your story because this is just building up. Yep. So uh, I also had to find jobs in order to uh, uh, cover my expenses and I did various uh, odd jobs here and there. I worked as a waiter at the tavern three years per hour in the summers. I worked distributing flyers on the street for one euros per hour, which was a job I never got paid for. I did right. it for about a month, and I had to do it in a very um, in a very rough neighborhood. It's it was I had to uh, put posters up on the wall, and I had to do it late at night after 10 p.m. from 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. because uh, before that I would be in uni the, pretty much the whole day, and then afterwards I had martial arts and uh, classes in gym and then afterwards I would do my uh, part-time job and it was a neighborhood full of junkies and people selling drugs they were all uh, armed with knives so if anybody stopped you and robbed you right there and there I mean you had to give them all your money you know your life was a danger so fortunately nothing happened there but uh, I was playing with my luck working on those um, on those neighborhoods back then yeah 
And uh, that whole situation lasted for about one and a half years, during which after uh, I couldn't pay the rent from my apartment anymore, I moved in with my girlfriend, lived with her for about six months. And then was the time I got the roach-infected dorm room that the university gave to some of the poorest students. So that whole thing lasted about one and a half years. And then I was really fed up. Um, I couldn't continue living in the same situation and I had to do something with my life. So as you're talking about this, and I want to read off a quote that's actually from Inc. Magazine on your website. Because I think people, as they're listening and watching this episode, need to mentally register where this is all going. So this is a quote from Inc. Magazine. Damien, a 21-year-old Amazon millionaire, who in addition to being a successful Amazon seller, also runs a consultancy business with over 10,000 Amazon sellers, has worked with and researched several of the biggest and most successful brands on Amazon, which... If you don't know what Amazon is, they control over 50% of the retail space, I believe, in the U.S. alone. And knows what multi-million dollar brands do to succeed on Amazon that ordinary Amazon sellers seem to ignore. Again, this is a quote by Inc. Magazine. That's what they said about you based on your accomplishments. The reason I am stating this is because... As you were just talking about a second ago, you were, you were talking about how you, you, you were living with your girlfriend, barely making ends meet, you know, like you've been doing this for, for a while, bad neighborhoods. What happened next, Damien? Like, where did the light turn on that you were just like, all right, I got to do something with my life? Like, what do you remember was there one specific thing that made you go like, I need to change my life and that's what I need to do to change it? Yeah, basically one of the most humiliating experiences of my life was dragging a mattress out of the trash and carrying it on my back for two kilometers uh, all the way to the apartment block I was living. I had to drag it up to the seventh floor by uh, from the stairs because the elevator was too small and I couldn't fit the mattress in. And then I had it, the whole thing like took me two hours to get the mattress from the trash up to my apartment and then another one or two hours to clean it. And I had covered my face with my hoodie just in case somebody saw me on the street and didn't want anybody to see me because it was close to the university area and maybe some of my classmates who was walking by and didn't want them to see me doing it. Uh, and up until that point, I hadn't brought anybody to my apartment because um, I had made new friends in uni, but I couldn't just mm -hmm. invite them home because my home was empty. Yeah. So that was the first thing that entered my home. It was dirty and it was still not safe to sleep on when I tried to sanitize it. But uh, it was better than sleeping on the hardwood floor. And after a few months, I managed to scrape by and buy a few used furniture. So I had a bed frame and a few other things, a wardrobe and a desk. So, but that experience was like, man this this has to be over i mean i cannot be doing this any longer and then was another moment where i went to ikea with my mother but that was uh, earlier in the beginning of my studies and we went to ikea and i had that dream of building my of designing my uh student home and all my friends were furnishing their new homes and i went to ikea with my mother with the hope of doing the same and i knew that 
uh, well, I was not going to be able to buy the most expensive things, but at least I hope that I would have something in there. And eventually I figured out that we were working around Ikea for two hours. I was picking things, taking the, um, noting down the item codes on a piece of paper. And then my mother was like, uh, she almost cried. And I look at her, I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, um, we cannot afford any of these. What do you mean? Yeah. Um, should I delete something of the list? And she was like, no, you should delete everything. I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. And she told me basically we only had like 500 euros and half of that would have to go to the first payment of my rent and she would have to give me something for the first month and we would also have to eat that day. So yeah, we went to Ikea for nothing and I couldn't buy anything. And then I would go to uh, the homes of all my friends because friends from my hometown mm -hmm. uh, went to study in the same new city that I also went to. And I would meet them and I would see their beautifully furnished apartments and I would just feel so disadvantaged and embarrassed and ashamed. Yeah. Wow. That is, you know, as you were mentioning all of these things, um, you know, growing up as an Eastern European, I, I, re I remember all of these things where you were limited because you didn't have a choice, you know, and, and living a life with limitations is, is about as close as being thrown in a cage. It almost feels like that way because, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, food, clothing, housing, right? Because, you know, similar to what you were talking about is I, I grew up in a former communist country. You know, in fact, I couldn't, I couldn't celebrate the holidays until I was nine years old or you would be arrested and thrown in jail because it was under former communism. And so as you were talking about all of these things, I mean, that's very powerful because, I can already tell that you have such a strong sense of gratitude around everything that you've accomplished because of your past. And I think a lot of people that go, you know, from zero to 100 and hit fame don't really have true appreciation of where they come from because they allow their ego to get the best of them. Because you can literally end up in that same place, literally just in the snap of your fingers because you can lose it all. Literally, it can happen. It has happened to a lot of people that have risen to fame and fortune, and then they lose it all. In fact, most successful people have, you know, succeeded monetarily, made a lot of money, and then lost a lot of money because they couldn't control their ego. They couldn't control their mindset. They got too greedy. You know, their expenses got too bigger, right? So as you were, as you were talking about this, you know, I could really resonate with a lot of the things that you were mentioning. and. Actually, one thing that I wanted to point out that people need to take note on this episode is that you also learn how to speak English. That's yep. a second language that you learn. And the reason I'm pointing this out is because I remember when I immigrated to the United States at the age of 14. And literally for the next three months, I felt like an alien. I couldn't communicate. I felt lost. Uh, I felt deranged. I would be upset on myself because I couldn't communicate. And let's face it, communication is intricate in everything we do. So learning a second language to speak English was another huge accomplishment that you were able to accomplish because let's face it, most, most people can't speak nothing more than their native language. And it's mainly because they don't try. They don't try to learn a second language. 
So this is very powerful because learning English, English has been able, has given you the ability, I should say, to communicate, to interact is the way it plays a part within your business, right? Very good point that you made. In fact, if I hadn't learned English, I would be broke right now. I would still be a waiter at a tavern somewhere or working as a lifeguard in some Greek island. Or maybe I would be broke, unemployed and homeless. I don't know where I would be. And English was the most, uh, maybe the most underestimated but most important skill I've ever acquired. And I keep on working on improving it every single day. I've just, I've only recently been able to listen to songs without uh, hearing, without reading the subtitles, without yeah. reading the lyrics somewhere. So yeah. I don't know, for native English speakers, that might sound silly, but for me, uh, I've never been able to do that. And the same thing is with movies. It's only been in the last few years that I've been able to watch the movie without any subtitles. And it feels very good. It, sound, it, it just seems like you're somehow magically enlightened and you, one day you wake up and you start understanding things that were there before, but you just yep. couldn't comprehend them. It's well, weird. What you just said right there is exactly what um, you know, every foreign person basically goes through. And I went through it. And the best way I could describe that, honestly, is it's actually your mind goes through this metamorphosis at a point where, okay, so, so Greek is your native language. So your mind was constantly trying to translate from English to Greek, from English to Greek. Yep. So it was doing double work, in essence. It was doing double work to where you trained your mind, and this is what happens when you learn a new language, whether it's English, Spanish, French, German, you know, whatever. What happens is your mind goes, let go. Let go. There's, there's, it's absolutely unnecessary for you to do double work. You're intelligent enough. So that's when you made the shift. Your mind made the shift. And that's why you stop, you stop reading the subtitles. And now actually listening to English words, I went through this. My sister went through this. My father went through this. My mother went through this. You know, uh, I remember my, my first wife was trying to learn Bulgarian. And that, that was about as good as like, I think, three weeks before she gave up but it's it's your mind really goes through this transition and honestly that is no different than what you did from you know going from being poor to paving a path for yourself building your legacy it's literally no different because you realize that i have all the potential i've got all the tools i need i've got two hands i've got a mind i've got two eyes i've got a beating heart most people do not understand that, Damien. Most people don't understand that the fact that you woke up today is a win. You don't wake up, you're done. Finito, you're dead. Your days are done. You can't do shit. And I will tell you this, that, like I said, some of the most aspiring entrepreneurs and business owners in the world that are the most humble, that are worth you know, half a billion dollars or some ridiculous fortune, We'll talk about everything that we're talking about right now is your mindset, how you think that's going to change your current state. And I, I want to allow, I want you to talk specifically more, you know, about your business and how you went about actually making it happen from like its mm -hmm. earliest beginnings to the point to where, 
you know, you're a millionaire, multi-million dollar businesses, you know, you're doing, you're living a different life, right? So, but it wasn't always that way, right? And, you know, now thinking about what it took, I want to specifically hear and let you explain in a few minutes to the listeners, like, what was that transition like? What was going through your head? Like you're going, you know, I used to sleep on the on 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 a crappy mattress, barely making it by, and now I've got multiple cars, multiple houses, traveling into multiple countries. Like, what does that feel like, Damien? <laughs> it feels like having the cheat codes in, in in GTA San Andreas. If you know the game about PlayStation, fuck yeah, I know San Andreas. It like how, yeah, it feels like having the cheat codes, mm-hmm. man. Sometimes I would wake up and I would not believe my life is real. You know, I would wake up and then I would decide the same day that I want to take a trip to America and I would go to Vegas from Europe and just I would book the tickets the same day, not blink about the $3,000 and just book a hotel when I arrive. Or there was was even one time in Miami when I I arrived after a 12-hour trip and our reservation was canceled and we were waiting guests, uh, a friend of mine from New York, and a few girls, and we had a pen, big penthouse in uh, Miami downtown, and it, it got canceled. So we arrive, and we have nowhere to go, and we don't want to go to a hotel. And what do we do? We go to a McDonald's, order something to eat, and go on Airbnb and search for new places. And yeah. we find the most impressive place in Miami. We find a goddamn castle, and we book a castle. And it was like, this is, I, I don't know the life that I'm living. This thing isn't real. It's fascinating, right? But... You know, the reason I wanted you to talk about this experience is because, uh, again, you're, you're, you, you are humble enough to understand what it took to where you are today, to where, like you said, even though you had a cancellation in your reservation, you still were able to pivot, find a place to stay at. But the biggest thing is this that you're like, we're staying at a fucking castle. Like I went from sleeping on a dirty mattress to staying at a fucking castle. Like, like mo- mo- most people, but that's just it is it's like most people allow that to become a standard because they think that it's an entitlement and it's not. And that's the difference here that I want to point out is because you understand what it took. You busted your ass every single fucking day every single week, every single year to get to where you are. And that's what these motherfucking entrepreneurs nowadays don't understand. I mean, I, I see it every day on Instagram, on Facebook, like all these people that are like trying to come across flashy and it's like, nah, that's not entrepreneurship. You know what entrepreneurship is? Is doing the unthinkable, doing what others won't do. So you can one day stay at that castle. So you can buy that Lambo, cash money, buy that house, cash money. And that's the difference right there. That's the difference. And that's why I I got so excited. And you can hopefully still see the sheer excitement of talking to you because there's so much resemblance in our past as Eastern Europeans that most people never get to hear about. So you know, you're living this lifestyle now, you know, what, what advice would you have for other aspiring entrepreneurs that, you know, w- want to have that legacy? Like they want to, they're trying to build this path, you know, myself included, obviously, like, 
what goes through your mind? Like, what advice would you give to others? Like, what things have you learned that have really made you go like, man, like that, that was a huge epiphany. Okay. So the advice I would give somebody who is already successful and killing it in life would be slightly different than the advice I would give to somebody who uh, is broke as a joke and is at the situation I was when I was 19 years old. So if you're already successful, it's very easy. And I've also done a mistake. It's easy to fall in the trap of uh, resting on your laurels and taking what you have, not for granted, but not appreciating as much as you should and not working to um, climb the next mountain. You, um, you've climbed the first mountain, you see the view, it's nice, but there is a bigger mountain uh, further down there and you should go to that and keep climbing up because um, maybe, I don't know, maybe your mountain collapses one day, maybe there's an earthquake, maybe something happens and it will always happen. I mean, if you don't go forwards in your life, if you remain stationary, you don't really remain stationary. It's an illusion. Uh, you're either going forward or backwards because decay will get you. And if you don't try, uh, if you don't aspire for more every single day, uh, you're gonna lose what you're already, what you already have. Mm -hmm. So every day I wake up like I'm broke, like I have nothing. It doesn't matter if I wake up in a castle. It doesn't matter if I wake up and sleep on on a mattress from the trash. I'm broke every day, and I work hard to just get more and achieve more. And I know that if every day I do all that I can do that day, there, there is no way I can fail. My, it's impossible. My life is inevitable. Yeah. Inevitably a success. So you're, you know what's really powerful about what you said? And, and, and I want this, this is why I wanted you to say it in your own words, is just that you're content with yourself. You're content because every morning you're conscious about your accomplishments. That, that, that is a huge, huge difference because when you wake up every day, you remind yourself that, you know what, I could lose this all. It could just disappear in a blink of an eye. So you already set yourself up with gratitude and appreciation by reminding yourself that it wasn't always this way, every single day. And just like you said, most people that get to the top, whatever the top looks like, right? Maybe you paid off all your credit cards. Your credit score is fucking 900, you know, and you're, you're living a, a lifestyle that most people take that for granted. And I think that's where you were going with that is most people feel like I'm entitled to this. I deserve this life. You don't deserve this life. That's the difference. You don't. You created this life because you worked hard for that life. That's the difference is deserving versus creation. And that's why I'm talking about this is because there's too many fucking entrepreneurs now that nowadays, all over social media especially, that think they deserve something. You don't deserve shit. Nobody owes you anything. You got to work for it. And that's what you do every day. You show up every day, put in 8, 10, 12, 14, 16 hours, however long it fucking takes to get the job done. That's why you're in Inc. Magazine. That's why you're shaking hands with Grant Cardone. That's why you've got multiple cars and houses and being able to travel across the world because you created your own path. And that's the key message that, you know, I wanted to share that other entrepreneurs need to understand because the other thing too is a lot of entrepreneurs think like, oh, there's a playbook for entrepreneurship. Like I'm going to follow each chapter in this step and I'm going to go from broke to $50 million. 
eh, everyone's path varies. It's different. You got to find that one thing that really pulls you, that you feel like it's a why and a purpose, and you've got a passion towards in order to make it. Because if you don't have that passion, that purpose, that why, like for me, it was always about my kids. And there's a backstory about the fact that, you know, six years ago, I was told I couldn't have kids. I have two beautiful kids as a result of it. Made me go bankrupt, <laughs> but I have two beautiful kids and zero regret because of it. Zero regret. But that's just it. That's the why. That's the purpose. That's why getting up, uh, getting up every day, like you said, very much like yourself and saying, today I'll stay at a castle, but tomorrow I might not. Appreciating and living in the moment. So with that being said, Damien, I know we could totally jam a lot longer, and I, I appreciate you sharing your story. I really do. But it, before we wrap things up on this episode, throw out some social handles, websites. How can people connect with you? I want people who are watching and listening to this episode of The Roz Project to reach out to you, to chat with you. Yep. So I'm on all social media at Damien Prosa. The handle is the same for Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Um, this, my personal website is also DamienProsa.com, and I also have my blog where I write uh, articles about success in life, business on, on entrepreneurship, and that's DarrenConquer.com. Awesome. Damien, thank you so much, man, for jumping on the episode. This was an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Ivan. Hey, what is they talking about? Hey, they know I've been in the lab. Yeah, bro, why they all going now? Hey, I got the money it's inside. They wanna ask why I've been why. In 2018, he still hate it. I see him now, they are so.